Well, hello, you beautiful creative queens. You're listening to the Her Creative Hustle podcast, a show which celebrates kick-ass creative women and is your go-to source for creative inspo, knowledge and connection. I'm your host, Elska, and I'm here to light up your creative cup with tips, tricks, advice and inspo that will inspire you to unleash your creativity and lead an expressive, creative courageous, dazzling life full of creative possibility. You can stay up to date with all things Her Creative Hustle by following me on Instagram at Elska Music, E-L-S-K-A Music. Let's get jazzed up for today's episode. Okay, you creative queens, this is it. We've reached the holy grail second interview in Season two, my creative boss babe guest this week, in my heart-shaped eyes, is the ultimate creative queen. Can I just say, personally, from before I've even started this podcast more than 18 months ago, this mega babe has been on my vision board to interview and now she is here and it is happening and I'm not in the least bit fangirling hard. Okay, it's time to frock up and get this tinselly party started. Are you guys ready? This bedazzling babe is the queen of DIY crafting. She is known for her vibrant, shimmery, tinsel creations, her sparkly, swampy DIY, glittery, gorgy goodness, and for whipping up a mean pom-pom and pipe cleaner headpiece like you wouldn't believe. She is a practicing multi-disciplinary, I can't even say that word, multi-disciplinary, something like that artist. She's really great. Uh, Designer, stylist, photographer, and author whose style is immediately recognizable and sought out by clients across the globe, including myself. I own a piece of her. Her creations have adorned the bods of A-list celebs and performers, including Miley Cyrus, Kesha, Brizzy, Ben, Shepard, Looping Pop Harpist, Elska, that's me, Mindy Kaling and RuPaul's Drag Race stars, Kim Chi, Naomi Smalls and Detox. She has also creatively collabed with some huge global brands, including... Disney, Lego, Sephora, Visa, Bonds, and more. But one of her best, most cutest creations was born last year. Her little baby Hugo. Ladies and gents, shake your pom-poms. It's Tinsel Maven Rachel Bird. Hi. Yeah, she's here. That's such a nice introduction. I blushed so hard. (laughs) You like Tinsel blushed hard. Rainbow (laughs) cheeks, heart eyes. Uh, as you can tell from the introduction, I'm pretty stoked to be talking to you today. Um, don't need to say much more than that, but I appreciate your time so much because oh, you are you're very sweet. <laughs> super busy. I know. So Hugo, Hugo's just started standing up. I've I've been watching on IG and he's been shaking his booty to your vintage <laughs> records, which is actually some of the most wholesome content going around on Instagram. Yes. In my opinion. <laughs> He's one, but are you already, you know, he's super young still, are you already dreaming of the day that he needs an Easter bonnet for school or there's book week costumes to be crafted? Oh, my God. I can only wait for my time to truly shine. Uh, he's going through a phase now where he doesn't want to accept the hats that I make him. There was a really good phase where I could make him something and he'd sit still, but now he's like, why would you ever put anything on me uh, and rips it off, which is very sad. So I'm, I'm looking forward to a book week. I'm looking forward to a school play. Um, 
<laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, you were going to put any of those school mums to shame. They're just going to be like, oh, God, Rachel Burke's Oh, in I don't school. know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'll take a weird direction with it. <laughs> it's going to be epic. I look forward to watching. So he's obviously getting more mobile every day and uh, your epic home office, or as I would call it, cave of craft wonders, 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 <laughs> is not quite what the experts might refer to as particularly kid-friendly. Can you let me in on a little secret here? Should I be buying shares in baby-proofing because there's going to be a spike in locks and uh, latches sales in Brisbane soon? Oh, look, there! I have already gotten into the latches and lock stash for the house, but I'm quite lucky. The front room, my little studio is actually just the front room of my house. It's actually so tiny, uh, so I can just shut the door to the front room. So, you, But you can tell he is desperate to come in here, and sometimes I let him in and let him have a little shuffle round, um, but it usually ends very quickly when he starts to get into something um, that has lots of tiny parts. So I'm absolutely helicoptering around him, but I'm I'm conscious of not making the room too forbidden that he like is like so obsessed with coming in, but I don't know if I've succeeded because he seems keen. DTC, down to craft. <laughs> yeah. Should get that, bedazzle that on a shirt. Yeah. Your newest <laughs> creative role, which is mum life, seems to be something that you are settling into now, along with being an independent creator and self-employed business owner. I've had a question submitted from a listener on IG, Carly Bonavia, who is an Aussie gal living in France. Wee wee, dream life, I know. Carly's question is around how you carve out time for creativity and business whilst parenting. And she has particular fears around having babies and then losing her ability to focus on her creative projects. Did you have any of these fears before having Hugo and how have you worked through them? Yeah, absolutely. I was totally frightened before and with good reason (laughs) because obviously having a baby just takes up so much time. And I think that before I had Hugo and then after I had him, I, I just was so naive in terms of like how obsessed I was going to be with him and how much your brain shifts to just caring about them. And so it was absolutely like a huge learning curve um, when I had him to kind of get that mind into being a mom and then splitting that focus to getting back in the studio and doing work. I was kind of forced into it because cruel pregnant Rachel had signed myself up to all these things pretty much like just a couple of weeks after I had Hugo. I just remember those first days when I was like, okay, I need to go and do these things because I have deadlines. And I really, like, I didn't want to do it. I was so tired and I was so fatigued, I guess. And also just wanted to hang out with um, my honey. Like it ended up being the best thing to start putting a routine around my making again and um, getting back into it. And now I've kind of, you know, 13 months in really gotten into a swing of it because I have just made it a part of my every day. And I mean, that maybe sounds like quite a dreamy, lofty concept to new mums in particular, but I feel like just even doing that like hour at night after they go down or investing time in that practice and saying to yourself that it's important makes it important. I found that by just from the get-go incorporating that daily practice of like no this is like my time um it's like a job for me and I just want to show up and uh and do my best to to make the juggle but sometimes it just means working when I'm tired unfortunately and just powering through but I definitely say that that's not for everyone and nor should anyone ever feel pressured to operate like that I'm just a bit of a psycho um and feel like that's what I want to do 
Yeah, I think it's great advice. I think it's really hard, especially in the beginning, because you're adjusting to this new life that's in your life. And then you also kind of like want to do things for yourself, but you're like, oh, they're sleeping. I really should sleep or shower. And then you just yeah, push yeah. things the aside. sleep when they sleep thing. And I never did that just because I was like, I want to have some free time. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I probably should have sometimes. And some days, yeah, when that, you know, the sleeping and stuff has been quite interesting. Um, but I just, I don't know. I'm like, I'll sleep when I'm dead. I think it's it's obviously realistic to say that like, you know, you have a kid, your life is going to change and there are going to be things that you're not going to be able to do because these humans take priority and that's totally fine. But the thing is that life as you once knew it will go back to how it was and that a beautiful thing you said, which is something I did too, is I just found a way for my kids to like fit in to whatever I wanted to do that day. So you feel like you need to get out the house and you need to see something yeah. creative. It's like take them to the museum with you. It doesn't mean because they need to go there. You want to go there like if something's on or it's as they grow older, obviously it gets easier. Yeah. But it's important for them to see like their mother has like passions and things that she wants to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's something I've tried to keep in my mind, particularly like I feel like one thing I've really struggled with is this overwhelming sense of like mum guilt, I guess, from every facet of things. Like it started from the second he was born. I just started feeling like guilty about everything. I really struggled with breastfeeding and like that was just guilt city. And then when it came to making time for my work, I felt really guilty because I was like, oh, should I be spending any time away from him? But I've used those things to make me feel less guilty by saying like, no, it's good that I have passions. It's good that I'll be able to share the things I love with him, that I'll be able to incorporate him into, you know, things that I've found joy in and uh, hopefully not like force it on him. But like you said, I want him to see me excited and driven and working towards goals because I think that that's such a important thing, particularly as a woman. I want to show him that it's a 50-50, me and my partner sharing the load, doing things together so each of us can achieve uh, our career dreams and not it just being the one person thriving. A hundred percent. So speaking of kids, let's talk about kid Rachel and uh, your earliest childhood memories of creativity. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. I feel like at the moment I've just been particularly getting so much into that idea of like nostalgia and I mean I'm always really into things that sparked joy for me as a kid but uh, particularly at the moment I'm I'm working on a, a new show and it's all like kind of about like it's all very glittery and sparkly and it is really because when I was a kid I was so obsessed like you I, I like believed with all my heart that I was a fairy and that like <laughs> any moment I would get my wings and some of my like earliest memories of spilling this bright green glitter on this weird brown carpet that we had in our house and like picking it up really slowly because I was just so mesmerized by it. You know, just toys in the 90s were just very unsustainable, not wooden, <laughs> but so stunning. Little tiny castle that turned into a tea set. These memories haunt me. 
And like my family weren't super crafty and my mom, my mom's like a really good maker and a good sewer and she taught me some things, but she's like absolutely super clean and never loved me crafting in the house. So whenever I went to school and got to go into like the art room and stuff, I just remember being so excited and yeah, definitely had like such an affinity, but really for like colorful things and very like magpie, like drawn to things. I was never like a protege in anything. I mainly made very ugly things and messy things wasn't a very good drawer or anything like that I just remembered being super drawn to things and wanting to kind of like be a part of it what's a social group were you part of in high school um oh gosh I was a huge floater in high school really super nerdy like I was very into like Harry Potter and musical theater loved art and was really academic and very nerdy basically but like a friendly nerd and not like super like I was lucky not to get super bullied or anything I went to a really friendly high school so I really really enjoyed high school and good friends in a few groups and I would just like float around. In my last Her Creative Hustle interview which was episode three I spoke with Aussie country music queen Fanny Lumsden. Now, you two girls have something very unique in common. Really? Fanny, yes, has featured a can of spam in one of her <gasps> music videos. Oh, my and God. <laughs> it seems spam is a creator's go-to can of choices. You two have your own creative spam <laughs> connection. Yes. Can you share with us what you've done with a can of spam? Oh, gosh. I mean, a few years ago, I did a project called The Magical Mundane, and it was all about transforming every day kind of boring things into little cutie works of art so I I feel like I recall I embellished this can of spam and made it real pretty there's just something about a spam can that you know (laughs) yearns to be incorporated Um, I'm not sure what it is uh, because it actually sounds quite revolting yes I've never eaten spam even though I've also been told that that's a cruel cruel statement because apparently spam is quite delicious and it must be there's so much of it in every supermarket someone must be buying and using the spam it must be like just all these creators or maybe it's for all those video (laughs) clips it's for all these ironic projects we're all doing (laughs) <laughs> and they're like, yes, we sold more spam. Let's make another can. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yes, the magical mundane uh, is so creatively unique. And if you guys haven't seen it, go find it on Rachel's Insta or just Google it because it's super, super cool. And I guess you've developed that in some ways now because you do a lot of projects where you take a box of something from the cupboard and turn it into like a handbag or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, I love a good cereal box challenge, you know, Um, turning something, yeah, I just love that concept of turning something boring into something fab. And sometimes that just comes out of necessity. Like I'll be like, I'm bored. I want to do like a fun project. And I think a lot of it actually comes from the fact that I can't drive. So I'm genuinely like sometimes trapped in the house. It's probably why I get so much stuff done because I literally can't go anywhere. I'm actually learning to drive currently. So we're changing that routine. But I think that sometimes it's like, oh, I want to do something fun. I can't go and get anything. I'll use what I have around me, yeah. which actually then lends really great to recycling. Or I think that's where you can like find some real magic too because you're just looking at something from a different angle and you see some magic in it. And that's what I love about the everyday and that's what keeps me motivated if I ever feel down I'm like no life can be magical it's just how you look at it and what you do from a can of spam we start talking about jaw dropping creative collabs with some huge global brands as I mentioned earlier Disney Lego Sephora Visa 
Can you share with us how some of these collabs came into fruition and how it feels to land a collab of that scale? Oh, gosh. Uh, Like, absolutely. We'll always say it's super exciting, particularly when someone reaches out to you that I already have an affinity with, like a Disney or Lego, like also brands that connect back to that sense of childhood wonder. If I told six-year-old Rachel that I'd be working with Disney for The Little Mermaid, I would have probably perished. (laughs) (laughs) I would never have made it to the collab. (laughs) Uh, So, like, obviously, absolutely feels really great, but actually, like, landing them and getting that opportunity in the first place has always just come back to producing work that feels really true to myself. To me, that's where the ultimate reward comes when I'm producing work that I'm really happy with or that I, I just love making. And then one of these really big brands wants to come along and get my kind of creative lens put on it. Like obviously really flattering and really exciting because um, I, I mean, I love collaborations. Working with someone else to, to bring something to life, it always results in something unexpected or a direction you wouldn't have thought to go in. And I think that was really true with both Disney and Lego I felt that by fusing kind of my ideas with their storytelling or product I made something that I just never would have thought that I would have made and that's part of the reason I get so excited not just because I'm like oh very fancy brand but I'm like oh my god I think we could do something really special and for me it's always about like anything I work on is like actualizing that final vision that thing that I think is going to be really special and I know it's a good client when I get excited from the get-go and a client that I think is going to feed into my overall practice as well and make me better. Do you have any collabs like I would die if I worked with this person or brand? Oh gosh, yeah, of course. Let's just put them out into the universe now because great (laughs) things could come from this podcast interview. I would absolutely (laughs) like die to work with Gucci. That would be like such a dream just because I've loved the collaborations that they've done with um, other artists and I really like that spooky but cute vibe that they go for. So that's definitely like a dream. And then like there's some just dream performers and artists like Petra Collins. She's a really amazing creative and did a lot of work with rookie Tavi Gevinson like I mean I would just love to be in New York and hang out with those guys and maybe do a cute shoot (laughs) and then like I'd love to make something for someone like Lord you know I'm always really drawn to like powerful cute female figures I think (laughs) and I think that's why I like would love to work with Gucci because it seems to really align with things that I like as well but you know so we're gonna manifest yes we're gonna put it out there you heard it here Uh, first guys It's hilarious because I'm like, actually, how would I merge my tac-tac vibe with Gucci's? Let's see. Let's see where that It'll lands. happen. It will happen. You wait and <laughs> we'll see. see. You wait and see. In my opinion, <laughs> you are one of the most generous artists because you openly share and teach your audience how to create your DIY craft masterpieces through hosting workshops, your famed bad art nights through your book Bedazzled, your YouTube channel tutorials. And now during COVID, you've been showing up weekly on your IG hosting free Friday night DIY crafting experiences. Why is it important to you to openly share your creative process and teach others how to create in your style? Because I feel like so many artists would be so reluctant to do that because they would want to protect 
their creativity and intellectual property. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I will say I do draw the line in some areas as well. Like, I, like it might not seem like I have a line, but there there are some areas where I'm like, you know, for example, I'm working on um, a new body of work at the moment and so many people are asking me how I'm doing it. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to wait. I'm not going to do like a workshop on it probably until after the exhibition happens sort of thing. Like, And it's not because I don't want people to get amongst it, but it's just because I'm like, I want to explore it first and then sort of share. And I guess that's where I... I come back to with why I feel ready to share some things as well. You know, I obviously do a lot of DIY and it, I, it usually comes after I feel like I've really explored it. And then because I've gotten so much joy and I feel like it's something simple like a cereal box bag or a pipe cleaner crown, I feel like I want to share it with other people to kind of experience that same sense of joy. And I've had to grapple with this too. Like it's actually not my most natural feeling. And I've learned that through sharing, you cultivate a community, which I think around the work that we do in the arts and making things, community is really important. And I don't just want to create in a vacuum where I'm just, you know, working in my studio, keeping all this knowledge to myself, because sure, I might make some cool things, but I have learned through doing and through sharing that it feels, it feels really good to actually see other people get joy from the things that you've learned. Um, no, the postman's come one second. (laughs) Oh no. We'll just put some interlude music in here. Don't get me wrong though, I'm super staunch for like intellectual property and I think that things can get a bit blurry sometimes on Instagram when people want to resell your designs and uh, like just copy things for sale, then it gets into a whole nother territory. But if people are just making stuff for their own enjoyment and particularly doing stuff to discover things about their own practice, if they can learn from me and my lessons, I have learned that that is really rewarding and something that I want to keep doing. But I mentioned that it was difficult mainly because it wasn't always my natural state to feel like I wanted to share those things with people. I think it's come also as I've gotten older and wiser and just like I want to be a part of a community of makers as well. And I think that the best way to do that is through sharing. Yes. I made my own Rachel Burke-inspired headpiece last year, maybe the year before, for the Gold Coast Music Awards. And it was a hit. Just go for it with a hot glue gun. Like you can do amazing things with a hot glue gun. Love my hot glue gun. I've got some yep. burns from my, I'm sure you do too, but I've got some some sweet burns on my arm from my hot glue gun. Absolutely. <laughs> Badges of honour, crafting honour. Totally. Being uniquely you, you are so visually creative and innovative. I constantly wonder like what is she going to do next? Like every time it's like she's put a post on IG, what's it going to be next? Um, Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever felt that your creative uniqueness doesn't fit the traditional mold of being serious art because it's so playful and crafty and DIY? Do you ever feel that you're not taken seriously by the art world? Um, I totally know that those things exist and I, I know that like in terms of 
that opinion exists, particularly when it comes to craft-based art or very like overtly feminine things. I feel like sometimes it can be really diminished, particularly in the art world. And I just want to totally rebel against that. So if anyone is like ever, oh, that's not art, I'm like, I don't care what you think. (laughs) That's awesome. That's what you should think. If I was producing work to seek to fit into someone's definition of what art was, well, then I probably... I don't know. I don't think I'd be having a very good time. I I just try and focus with the work that I'm producing on making stuff that feels like it's really true to me. And that's been a real struggle as well because, you know, we see so much stuff online and it feels like sometimes you have to have such tunnel vision to tap into something that feels like authentically you. And I guess I'm always questing for that, which is why I produce so much stuff because for me, I know that it's through repetition that I make creative breakthroughs, which is why I make the same Tintel's jacket over and over again, the same pom-poms and the same you know zines and stuff I know that through repetition I have a creative breakthrough the best lesson I learned is that just art is subjective and whilst one person might say it's not another person might say that it is and round and round we go so I feel like it's a bit rebellious sometimes to do a scribble and be like this is my art I know right well that kind of reminds me of um I don't know if you've ever heard of I guess you'd call him like a music artist producer from way back. His name is John Cage and he basically would go, he did many crazy things, but he went onto a stage and he set like a record player up to record Mm. and he just sat there looking at the audience, played no music, did nothing, just sat there and the, the performance and the art was the way that the audience reacted to what was going on and that became like yeah. the recording and that was that was the art which is just for the time period was pretty mind-blowing as well too but yeah it's just like random things like that like I'm not actually going to do anything except for just sit there. Yeah and I mean I think I have the confidence to believe my work is you know in the space of art and design as well because I've seen enough things and read enough things to to know that like you can just do anything as long as it's authentic to you and you're just producing work that's an expression of who you are it's art I think a lot of it is about like your intention and what you're trying to do the fact that that guy was like this is my work this is what my intention is to do and it is a performance work and blah 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 blah, made it an artwork 100% so you've had some passion projects you've been creating some non-tinsel things during COVID, your uh, zines collection and your beautiful, whimsical, dreamy, vintage aesthetically pleasing mini short films that you've been creating on Instagram. Totally wholesome. Talk us through these. And should we be expecting Rachel Burke to add film director to her LinkedIn soon? (laughs) I mean, I should have said Sophia Coppola is another dream collaborator because <laughs> look out Hollywood, it's happening. So the, the videos just started happening because I was just, again, since I've had Hugo, I'm feeling like, I feel like I feel immediately nostalgic about everything. I'm just like, oh my God, such sweet, wholesome memories. How do I hold on to these? And uh, so I, I started actually making kind of little movies of him and then uh, kind of started playing around more and more with them to make these little IGTV little short films. Yeah, I guess that would have to be one of the key like definitions of a hobby for me at the moment. They're just super fun, something for me to put together and like it's total whimsy. Hey, I don't even know how to describe them because <laughs> some of them are really silly. They're so <laughs> like jaw-dropping. They're so beautiful because 
I know how long it takes to make things like this and then to edit things and not even just that, oh just coming God. up with I the concept the and then just <laughs> storyboarding. And it's like so inspiring and I love it and I love seeing that you like branch out into other little things like that too. Even the little messages of hope you've been doing with your florals, like little stop motion stuff. Oh, Aww, my God. Thanks. That would take so long. <laughs> I'm like, when will I discover something I love to do that doesn't take so much I, I, I think know. the last one I did was so extreme and it took me so long that I did get a bit like creatively burnt out with the video thing. So that's why there's been a little bit of a break because I was like, oh my God, that was so much work. What am I even doing? I don't even know. It's incredible. You should definitely, I don't know if you've thought about this, but it's just come to me now. Like the ones, especially the first one that you did with the magic box. Oh, I loved that one. That one was epic. <laughs> that was a phase. There is so many online film festivals. You need to start entering them into that stuff now. Yeah. Someone actually asked me to enter it into it, but then I'm just like, this is my problem. Then I know I'm going to get obsessed with that world. And then it's again, I'm going to be tethering. <laughs> I want to do everything else. I know, right? I just want to do all the things. I wish I could just control C, control V myself. And I think that's why I work so much because I'm just like, oh, shiny new idea. Oh, I need to make it happen. Like, I don't want to wait. I just want to do it. Which is, you know, sometimes maybe people would say just hold your horses and and do it properly instead of (laughs) in your hodgepodge way. But there's no time. I think that's a beautiful (laughs) thing about being a creative because I think that's how I feel about myself is that music is like my passion, but then I love to make films and I make a podcast and I like to craft and I like to color in and all these things are like part of who I am and I want to be able to explore like many forms of creativity and not just be like, I'm a musician and this is all I do. I yep. think it's like great to be able to like branch out into other things because you never know like what you'll discover and it just keeps mm. like your brain like learning. And do you find that sometimes a bit like overwhelming though because then you're like, oh, if I just did this one thing really good, yep. sometimes I get really stuck like that with the tinsel stuff because I'm like, oh, if I just did tinsel jackets, I could make all this cash basically. Yeah. I'm like, no, I don't want to just do that. Do you ever feel like that? Yeah, 100%. Like I'll start to do some new skill and then everything will be encompassing of that and then another part of my creativity will get pushed to the side, yeah. you know, because I'm focusing on one other thing. But then I think, you know, that's just the way that it goes, the ebb and flow of things. Yeah, and the way I justify it now is having faith that it will feed back into your main practice or it will somehow all tie in together. And that's part of the reason I really like doing the video too because I felt like it was bringing together a whole bunch of things that I really liked. And then I was starting to look at just things that I was doing differently, like almost through the eye of the video. And it kind of was turning in a in a wheel, like everything coming together, like the weird props, the weird costumes fitting into the video. But I don't know, sometimes it's hard to justify, but I try to remind myself that if you're doing weird things, trying to hone up a new skill or something, that, that it will all fit in to make you a more well-rounded creative, I guess. A hundred, hundred percent agree. So can you tell us some people that you're following online that we should be hunting down or do you have some guilty pleasure, I'm sure you do, weird and wacky <laughs> IG feeds that you live for? Oh my God, one really weird one that I really like, I get a sick pleasure from is that Influences in the Wild, (laughs) where it's like 
Yeah, have you seen oh my it? God, I haven't heard of that. <laughs> posing and like taking photos for their Instagram feed and someone's recording them, which is like so <laughs> funny, particularly because I've been cruel and made my partner take photos of me out frolicking. And the idea that someone is watching you do that and boss your partner around is just hilarious. That's a non-art related one. Some like other creative accounts. I love Becky Orpin and Mina Gilligan, both Melbourne gals. Um, I love following gallery Instagrams like Goma and NGV always sources of inspiration awesome so final question we're at the end of the end of the game you work with a lot of very different tactile textures which I could imagine create many sonically pleasing sounds away from creative materials what is your favorite sound or noise Oh, that's really hard. Um, Favourite sound or noise? Oh, look, I love a good show tune. Maybe, can that be a Is that too, like? <laughs> sure. You can I'm say whatever say you want. <laughs> There's nothing like a Broadway belt for me that really takes me back to, I don't know, 1998. Uh, Les Mis, give it to me. So good. <laughs> love it. Wouldn't it be funny to see Les Mis reimagined in Rachel Burke Tins? <laughs> My God! I did you know? I, I'm like, did you know? Fun fact that ten years ago, I was studying musical theatre at VCA in Melbourne. I was so set on going to Broadway, and that's all I wanted to do. And it's like my ultimate dream to do like a crafty cabaret show. So who could say? Yes, yes, do it. Just add it to the list. Just fusing those two loves of Broadway musical theatre with craft. It would be horrific I just know but like really good who could say write my own musical that's the next creative (laughs) task yeah absolutely (laughs) oh my god it would be so good actually when I did vamp this year with two other great gals in Melbourne we did like this really massive like production basically to bring our collections to life Uh, and that was the first time I got kind of chills of like oh my god this could be like a stage show (laughs) to be continued watch this space crafting cabaret Rachel Burke, thank you so much for being part of her creative hustle this week. Oh, my cup is so creatively full. It has been a delight chatting to you and you have made my gear to be able to make this happen. I appreciate it so, so, so much. Oh, you're the sweetest. Thanks for chatting to me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. That's all for today's episode, folks. We'll catch you next time. Bye. And a huge shout out of thanks to my beautiful Patreon community who are backing me this year and helping me make these episodes for you. I've just launched my Patreon and these beautiful humans are supporting me. It's crazy. Thank you so much. And if you want to join our cool club on Patreon, you can find me patreon.com forward slash Elska. That wraps up today's episode. I'll catch you next week. Bye.